1: Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co host, Russell Jackman, because Vern Glenn is off on vacation for the next two weeks. Holy smokes, how come we don't get a vacation? You know? I just
2: got one, and it was one week and it wasn't long enough, and here I am driving back down to the South Bay. So you, you, to, to listen to anyone else having a two week vacation, I'm insanely jealous.
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't get a vacation here for another uh, month, almost another month, but it is what it is. All right, uh, let's see, no guests today, but a few different topics that I'm going to want to cover, or we're going to want to cover, uh, uh, a story about Omar Vizquel, I uh, want to talk about uh, how the women just dominated in the uh, USA Olympics to get all the medals for, the, not all, but get most of the medals for the, for the uh, USA uh, in the Olympics, a uh, former, a former Polish sprinter is uh, demanding that a Namibia uh, woman take a sex reaffirming test after her Olympic medal. Sully smokes! Can you believe that? Uh, years ago, sports betting outside of Vegas was demonized. Now it looks like it's going to become mainstream. Uh, LeBron recruiting Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers, and will the new name image? likeness rules uh, allow college players to earn endorsement deals uh, leading will that lead to a bunch of cheating recruitments We'll we'll talk about uh, that a little in depth and then i'm sure russell's got some stuff he wants to talk about as well and this segment of this segment of sports econ 101 is sponsored by pacific private money providing mortgage investments currently yielding over seven percent secured by real estate primarily in california check them out at pacificprivatemoney.com stay with us you are listening to Sports Econ 101 with Edward Brown and Russell Jackman don't touch that dial we're going to be right back
3: The best night ever. Transcendence Theatre Company invites you to experience Broadway under the stars in wine country with their new live show, Road Trip. This musical adventure featuring themed songs from cities across the United States is Transcendence's first show back at beautiful Jack London State Historic Park. When was the last time you were in Nashville? Have you ever taken the kids to Orlando? Wouldn't it be glamorous to experience Hollywood's old school charm or a magical night on the town in New York City? Come sing along with your Broadway tour guides in this exciting musical expedition for the whole family. It's Transcendence Theatre Company's Road Trip, August 6th through the 29th. Get your tickets now at BestNightEver.org. That's BestNightEver.org. BestNightEver.org.
4: Palio Restaurant has been the premier Italian restaurant serving downtown San Francisco since 1990. Palio features fine Italian fare and a Wine Spectator award-winning wine list, so there is no surprise that it's been voted Best Overall Restaurant in San Francisco by San Francisco locals. Palio has been in business for over 30 years and recently went through a complete remodel. Our guests can expect to receive the same excellence in food and service that has sustained us for 30 years in a brand new and more modern space. Our 250-plus seat restaurant includes seating in four distinct spaces, making social distancing while dining easy in our establishment. All precautions are taken by staff to ensure a safe dining experience. Open Monday through Saturdays, reservations are recommended. Visit paleosf.com to view our menus and make a reservation today. That's paleosf.com, P-A-L-I-O-S-F dot
3: Live life at the Mount View Hotel in Calistoga with poolside wine and music every afternoon at their vino and vinyl bar. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights enjoy dinner and a movie in their new outdoor theater. When you're ready for a change of scenery, make yourself at home at the Mount View Hotel, a small boutique hotel where there's never large crowds, just beautiful indoor and outdoor socially distanced space so you can relax and continue to live life. Making memories for 100 years, MountViewHotel.com.
1: Tom Baudette here, still leaving the light on for the long-haul trucker. While we were locked down at home, you were out there day and night bringing us what we needed to make it through. And Motel 6 is here to help you make it through. Want to trade a loose load strap and a sore back for a good night's sleep? Yes, you do. Motel 6 has a place just down the road with a clean, comfortable room and a great low rate. You'll know it when you see it.
4: I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Russell Jackman. Mr. Vern Glenn is off today. I forgot to mention that uh, today's trivia theme uh, is football. So we, we know how much Russell loves football. So we figured, okay. Football is going to be starting here pretty soon. Let, let's get started. on nice. the football. Okay, so first, um, Omar Vizquel, uh, he's been accused of inappropriate sexual conduct with an autistic bat boy. Uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, A, uh, do these allegations disqualify him now? <clears throat> and then also, what about the Cleveland Hall of Fame that he is in? Do they take him out? Well, what do you think about all this?
2: Well, we're always in that that zone where it comes to our allegations enough to cause a backlash or or, or repercussion on somebody's uh, career. And um, I, you know, I'm always I, in my thoughts that you know if it's an active player and there's accusations then I'd say a suspension is worth it to wait till that person has been proven innocent or guilty. You know, you suspend somebody, you know, like uh, in the case of that uh, Dodgers pitcher. Um, Yeah.
1: Boy, that's kind of, that's a tricky line though, because (laughs) if you think about it, if you want to, if you're on, let's say, another team and you want this player who's going to be facing you as a pitcher, let's say, you want him out of there. All you have to do is just put in a shill who's going to accuse him, and uh, there you go. At least he gets suspended for a certain period of time. It's
2: it, it hasn't happened, and I would say this. If that did happen and was then discovered, whoever put that person up as a shill should probably be banned for life from whatever sport they did yeah.
1: that. No, that, that, that. So
2: that's the first thing. Yep. Second thing is that... Uh, You know, um, the leagues have all said that it doesn't take a criminal conviction for there to be a suspension. Now, when you're talking a Hall of Fame type thing, now that's a different story because the player is not actually active. Um, I would say that it would still take more than just an accusation for there to be those kind of repercussions where you you literally you know yank their ability to be in a hall of fame or be you know some kind of award? you're going to take
1: yeah so uh let me ask you, uh, you you
2: should have more than just a bare allegation
1: okay now what about uh the fact that he's already in the cleveland hall of fame which obviously is just you know their own special little uh uh, thing, but uh, if let's say he is uh, let, let's say, taking your analogy, if you go a little further, let's say he ends up, um, you know, getting getting convicted. Uh, do you then extract him out of a hall of fame? I would say,
2: given the seriousness of those charges, yes, okay. I would. I so I, like I, I, I would say 14. you don't want you don't want someone who's a pedophile or or someone who's a sexual. Assaulter to yeah. be part of your uh, 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 makeup of a Hall of Fame. Yeah. the Hall of Fame. Now, one thing that I would also say is that we should probably try to find out what the Hall of Fame's requirements are, and if they already have something in their charter that says, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame, you need to have these qualities, and if you you um, are accused of doing this or doing that, then you could your your status in the hall of fame could be revoked
1: yeah didn't they take, so they may uh, have didn't didn't they like remove Reggie bush uh from u s c
2: yeah well yeah. they had to because he he had was part of the 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 uh recruiting scandal that you know uh meant that that u s c actually lost a title to it
4: yeah
1: well, um, I guess, uh, then I guess the question becomes, what is the definition of a Syria, you know, like, where's, where do you draw the line? And I'm not saying you're right or wrong, because I, I think actually you're, you're more right than you're wrong. Uh, but where would you draw the line? Would it be, you know, if you get three DUIs, or if you get one DUI? It really DUI is and up to the somebody? Hall of
2: Fame. It, it, What's it? Say again? It really is the Hall of Fame. It's up to not set the those of in- requirements in- and ahead of time before they nominate, yeah. Well, it's 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 before they uh, enshrine anyone in the Hall of Fame, they need to look at that ahead of time and say, you know, we're letting you in, but it's it's on the condition that you know, not only do you uh, 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 have a, a a positive past, but if you do something in the future that jeopardizes your status and yep. and makes us look bad for having you in our hall of fame we reserve the right to remove you from because this is the one thing you know you have no right to be in the hall of fame any hall of fame that's right ever that's true it's not it's not a, a part of the constitution yeah. it's not a part of anything it's it's an award and it's an honor yeah and with anything that involves something that's honorable um, if you act in a dishonorable fashion, you can have that reward taken
1: away from That's a good point, uh, and and, it, and it's very subjective. It, you know, by yeah, it people is. who put you in, maybe you know. That's because there's <laughs>
2: never been a cut and dried um, uh, uh, requirement. yeah status
1: for for like if you hit so many home runs or you get so many hits right, back in the because there are people right. in there who were voted in who. Uh, I was just reading an article on Sports Illustrated where some of these people were just like, how did this guy even get in? Um, you know, he was a decent player, but nowhere near a Hall of Fame. And a lot of them were, uh, you know, guys from the, the 1920s. And and then there were some people in the 40s and, uh, and 50s. And, you know, like someone like, let's say, like Nellie Fox, you know, he, he, was a, he was a good player, a very good player. But his stats were just not Hall of Fame stats. Um, and then even later on, you had players like Carol. Well, Davis, and
2: also, was, you know, you know we are judging. We're judging people. We're judging people based on the criteria of what modern players do. And so, you know, where the, there are certain oh, really? players that, when you look in their era, were Hall of Fame worthy, but then we look at it later and we go, "Oh well, geez, you know." Yeah, that's a that's a, that's
1: a, that's a good, that's a very good point because uh, especially if in the dead ball era, era there, was, yes. uh, you know, apparently what they would do is they would use the same ball no matter how scuffed up or whatever it got. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's going to change, uh, it's going to change things a little bit. And also, you know, the gloves have changed over time and, and then, uh, you know, I guess the bench, Over, over know. the vacation, over my vacation,
2: um, I was in Red Bluff and and my, my, Cousin doesn't have a lot of TV channels, so um, we watched a movie. Uh, uh, to you know, it, one of his favorite movies, he brought out a, a DVD of The Natural.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, Robert Redford and with the blood.
2: And so I watched The Natural over again, which I hadn't seen in like thirty years. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a trip for. Who's a younger man than I am now in that movie? Yeah, and and see Robert Redford and and like remind yourself, you know, about the the, the way that baseball was played back in the the late 30s, yeah. you know, in the early 40s, wow. or the
1: that. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're gonna cut to our uh, first commercial break of trivia questions. Uh, again, football is the theme. Which NFL team? Was the first to lose three Super Bowls? Well, that is our trivia question. You can well, email. The first them. to lose
2: three Super Bowls. Okay. Yeah, and which NFL, I know team, that is.
1: which NFL team was the first to lose three Super Bowls? Email Edward at sports. Email Edward at sports econ one hundred one com. The answer to that question. We'll see if you know it. Uh, we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about gambling and. Uh, and, and some other good stuff. All right, so stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. <laughs>
0: That's 877-360-0402. Matthew. Uh, Oh,
3: sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me.
4: I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years
0: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
1: Back to Sports.com One Hundred and One. I'm Edward Brown, along with Russell Jackman. Next, uh, next week actually, vernon will be off again, but we'll have him back the following week. So here's our first football question: Which NFL team was the first to lose three Super Bowls? Mr. Jackman,
2: I'm going to say it was Fran Tarkington's Vikings.
1: It was the Vikings. Very good. There they they were back then. They were my beloved Vikings. I just I loved uh, Fran and the way he scrambled. Of course, being as, uh, as as little as he was, he definitely had to scramble for his life, you know, especially uh, without all the uh, protections that the quarterbacks have now with tackling. Uh, <laughs> I could I could see why he would scramble quite a bit. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, so... Yeah, I, here.
2: I actually was rooting... When I was a little kid, I rooted for the, the Vikings since the Niners were just terrible. So in the Super Bowls, I rooted for the Vikings and I was always very disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't able to win. A yeah, Super my Bowl. I, my
1: my the first Super Bowl I I I really do remember was uh, my Vikings losing to the Chiefs, and that that was uh, that was a hard one. That was a hard one for sure. Okay, yeah, because I just I don't quite remember uh, the Jets Super Bowl. I, I think back then I was so little I didn't really you know didn't follow. I don't anymore. remember it because I wasn't in existence at the time. Is that right? <laughs> That's, so, that's a good. Okay, for me you you've that. got a good excuse for not remembering that. Um, okay, so now the U.S. Uh, USA wins the Olympics, and it seems like it's primarily because of the women, because 66 out of the 113 medals. Um, now, one of the reasons that's been tossed out, uh, you know, tossed around out there, idea-wise, is mostly because a lot of countries do not freely allow their women to compete. Um, so it's nothing to take away specifically from the USA women, but I got to think that's kind of true, right? I mean, not all countries treat women the same way as the USA does, uh, you know, with uh, being able to support them and encourage them to compete in sports. Don't you agree? Mr. Jackman, you there?
2: Uh, hold on. I'm just going through a tunnel.
1: Uh, <laughs> but,
2: uh, uh, but uh, you know, I think that, that women in America are just getting the message that being competitive in sports is now not eyebrow-raising. You know, it's, 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 women are getting tougher, and they're, they're getting more competitive and they're seeing that there's no real barriers anymore. Well, that's them. been that's
1: been like that in the USA for a really long time, I think.
2: I think it's getting more and more. I think the attitudes are are still evolving towards acceptance on that really? and really In the USA? Yeah, you think that's the case. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it used to be that like women's soccer was something that you know, people just sort of knew was in the background, and now there's people saying, you know, I actively want to watch that. Yeah. I want, I want to watch women's basketball. And ba- it's yeah, not that, women's basketball know,
1: too.
2: Yeah, it's 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 not oh hooray the women won. It's like wow, I want to watch them win.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, people are actively watching the women running, and they're watching the women, you know, diving, and they're watching the women playing in team sports instead of just waiting for the results to happen. And there's a lot more coverage on the Olympics of the women's side of things. It used to, I remember when, you know, watching the Olympics in the past and it's so the coverage, the TV coverage was so male dominated.
1: But now I think it's um, become a lot more even. But still, what about other countries? um, You know, they, uh, let's say like middle Eastern countries, you know, they, they don't really I I gotta think that they don't support women's sports as much. Wouldn't you agree? They, Middle well, East. I think so.
2: You know, I'm not gonna make too many political statements on on that side of things, but I think here in America we've just gotten to the point where women's sports as a spectator side of things. Yeah has really has really increased i think that yeah. people are more accepting now of watching women's sports and not oh. saying oh well you're, you're watching you know uh, uh athletes but they're not as good as the men
1: yeah
2: now i think a lot of people have accepted the fact that <coughs> watching oh. women's sports
1: I mean, and even shoot, even uh, MMA fighting—you know—is getting
2: that way
1: too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you
2: know, year like twenty years ago, the idea of women fighting women in a boxing type, MMA type scenario was seen as too barbaric, and and you know, usually, like you know, most guys would be like, "Well, these chicks aren't hot," so I'm not going to say
1: only if it was mud wrestling, then they were interested.
2: Um, exactly. And now we've gone from that to, to, to looking at these women, not as sex objects, but as real athletes. Athletic, and what yeah. are they doing?
1: Well, and the thing is, as, as they become uh, better athletes and it becomes more enjoyable, the money is going to flow because the sponsors are, you know, they'll be, they'll get TV time uh, and, and all the other sponsorships will happen. Um, it's just, you know, a natural uh, progression of a capitalist society.
2: yeah Yeah. and and an improvement in the product i mean that's the other thing too is that women have gotten better and more competitive as they see the opportunities you know arise for them where they could actually do this for a profession whether they could do it to compete if they get a gold medal they're going to wind up earning nearly as much as the men do you know it used to be a huge disparity between you know a, a michael phelps and you know, uh, 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 you know, Mary Lou Retton, as far as like the money
1: that you would get from winning a gold.
2: You well, know, they didn't.
1: And, they, they you mean talk about sponsorships? Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. Because I was saying they didn't get paid for playing, you know, b- being in the Olympics. But no, um, no, it's about well, sponsorships. Like women's that's a big deal. Women's basketball, I think that's probably been one of the biggest changes in the last twenty years. You know, because sure. You know they just did 20 years ago it just really was not a very exciting uh, game to watch
2: well and the wnba helped garner more respect for the women's game i believe yeah. and so people were are more accepting of seeing women playing back and also college women's college basketball has really yes. evolved
1: yes it has
2: through the roof and so again it's now not seen as you know you're watching because there's nothing better to watch on TV it's like you're watching it because it's interesting basketball and and the games are competitive and yeah. the, the the you know it's not you're not having women missing you know a good women shooter shooting 25% from the field no oh, exactly you
1: know,
2: the, yep. the, know, yeah they're changing. making
1: you know the highlights on ESPN and that sort of thing hey moving on here yeah. you, so there's a moving on let's see here so there's a former Polish sprinter who's demanding that Namibia, uh, that's a small country in Africa, Uh, Christine Mboma, that's her name, um, take a sex reaffirming test after her Olympic medal. Uh, I guess this former Polish sprinter is uh, uh, (laughs) trying to claim that this person is not a female. And uh, what I'm kind of looking at is you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, take her DNA and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And as long as she's not taking performance enhancing drugs, if her testosterone levels are uh, due to just nature, then uh, keep the medal, right? I mean, it's, it's, it just happens to be, and I've said this before, it's like, you know, do, do you make LeBron James play on his knees because he happens to be taller than, uh, to, than, than uh, the average uh, man? No, he just naturally happens to be taller. So, you know, how do you – I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is if maybe this, this Polish sprinter is just looking at this person going, well, she kind of looks like she's a man. I mean, you know, comments?
2: I got to tell you this, and this is, this is me to, to you and, and, and to the rest of the listeners out there, that my least favorite sports topic – is transgender in sports <laughs> that is my absolutely least favorite topic it's the the topic that, that i'd like to avoid the most
1: okay and
2: the only one it's the only topic i really don't enjoy talking about and i i don't know if you've noticed this when we have had these kind of topics i let Vern talk and i fade into the background and well, i don't say the much. thing is
1: is i don't know if, i mean because now you can um Uh, you could be a transgender and compete in the Olympics like that weightlifter did. Um, So it's really not so much of a transgender question, I think, is just, uh, has this person maybe been just a male and somehow sort of hid the family jewels in such a way that, uh, you know, like actually did not go through an operation? Because I'm just, you know, what is a sex reaffirming test?
2: I really don't know. And it's the kind of thing that to me you know it's not where i want to be involved in sports i it, it's one of those politically charged issues more than it is economic it's 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 more political and it usually doesn't have a good answer any way you look at it you're going to offend somebody to the core of their existence no well, matter what side you take could on.
1: into the economics though right cuz you know somebody a woman who's a real woman doesn't win a, a, a medal and, and can't get the endorsements be, because she gets beat out by somebody who, you know. But when we're
2: that. talking the
1: sheer numbers, when we're talking the
2: sheer numbers, how many times is this really going to happen? Five, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. it. And so okay, when Russell's you a- really want to step back and look at, you know, all the issues in sports, to me, it's a political issue because it doesn't happen enough on a regular basis okay, that, you know what that's a,
1: good, that's a very good point tell you what we're gonna, let's get to our next commercial break here perfect. who broke who broke mark Gastineau's 20 sacks Ooh. in a season in 2001 stay with us sports Econ 101 we'll be right back
4: restaurant has been the premier italian restaurant serving downtown san francisco since 1990 palio features fine italian fare and a wine spectator award-winning wine list so there is no surprise that it's been voted best overall restaurant in san francisco by san francisco locals palio has been in business for over 30 years and recently went through a complete remodel our guests can expect to receive the same excellence in food and service that has sustained us for 30 years in a brand new and more modern space. Our 250 plus seat restaurant includes seating in four distinct spaces, making social distancing while dining easy in our establishment. All precautions are taken by staff to ensure a safe dining experience. Open Monday through Saturdays. Reservations are recommended. Visit paleosf.com to view our menus and make a reservation today. That's paliosf.com, P-A-L-I-O-S-F.com.
0: Mountain Mike's Pizza in San Rafael is open for both takeout and delivery. So if you want pizza the way it ought to be, call us at 415-454-4300 or go to mountainmikesanrafal.com and order online. You can either pick up your fabulous pizza or we can deliver it to you. Our dough and shredded cheese are made fresh daily. So call 415-454-4300 or go to mountainmikesandrafel.com and order your pizza.
1: This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn year in and year out returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, Clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you too can profit from these real estate secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at pacificprivatemoney.com.
3: Live life at the Mount View Hotel in Calistoga with poolside wine and music every afternoon at their vino and vinyl bar. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights enjoy dinner and a movie in their new outdoor theater. When you're ready for a change of scenery, make yourself at home at the Mount View Hotel, a small boutique hotel where there's never large crowds, just beautiful indoor and outdoor socially distanced space so you can relax and continue to live life. Making memories for 100 years, mountviewhotel.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Russell Jackman. All right, here was our second trivia question. Which, I'm um, oh, sorry, who broke Mark Gastineau's 20 sacks in a season in 2001? You remember Mark Gastineau in the, I think it was the late 80s, he was in the early 90s. Part yeah, of I the remember league. his boxing. I remember oh, yeah. him yeah, getting that's right. in boxing. There. Yeah, I think he got kind As, of cream too, didn't he?
2: Yeah, I was, uh, when you first said for who broke – Mark Gastineau and the next thing that was coming out of my mind was his nose. His nose? Yeah. A, I thought you were going to bring up by uh, his boxing career. I and um, I don't remember who, uh, it, uh, I
1: don't remember who boxed him, but he was with the New York sack exchange. Remember he played for the jets. Uh, they, that's what they used yes, to call it, the New York yes. sack exchange. So he had, he had 20 sacks uh, in a season, but then in 2001 who broke uh who broke it? And uh, the number was 20 and a half sacks. Which is pretty good because you got to think that's. Going I'm going to throw again. this out there.
2: Can you give me a slight clue or do I just have to take it off of. He
1: played for the Giants.
2: He played for the Giants. Oh, then I'm, I'm way off. I was going to say Brian Bosworth and now I, I have no, no idea.
1: No, no, because Bosworth did he? I, I know he was he was gone by two thousand one, wasn't he? Ah,
2: uh, yeah, 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 you, you, so, yeah.
1: No, Michael Strahan.
2: Oh uh, yeah, okay yeah. the the gap toothed one. Yes,
1: that's right. Okay, uh, let's see here. Years ago, sports. Betting... Wait, wait. Bef- yeah. I'm sorry. Before you go on to the
2: next topic, yeah, I wanted to to give my condolences. The family of beautiful Bobby Eaton, um, who died over the weekend and was part of the legendary tag team of the Midnight Express, that Uh, a lot of people do consider one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And uh, also to Jody Hamilton, who is better known as the masked assassin. And both of those gentlemen died over the weekend, were very influential in my career as a pro wrestling manager.
1: How, and, how old uh, were they when they passed?
2: Well, Jody Hamilton lived to a eye-popping 82 for a professional wrestler. That's, That's like crazy. living to, to 200 years old.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but Bobby Eaton, unfortunately, died at age 62. Ah, oh, jeez. And we, th- this follows a series of wrestlers who've died this year under the age of sixty-five, and including Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Dell Wilkes, the Patriot, um, that you know, unfortunately, it were is really sad to to see guys that. You know the only ones that are happy to hear about these guys dying before age 65 is the u.s government because then they don't have to pay their social security
1: yeah
2: they, so they have these guys it, paying a lifetime into social security how much, how much it,
1: in your opinion how much of it is you know drugs versus uh just the beating up of, of the body? Well, bobby
2: eaton i really don't believe it was drugs i mean everything that i've heard about bobby eaton was he was a totally stand-up guy he was a guy that, that that was straight as an arrow, but what had happened was only about a month ago, his wife died, and I. this may be a situation of somebody dying from heartbreak, yeah, and, no. uh, which could be the worst way of dying, period. I think yeah. the stress of his wife dying took Bobby Eaton's life, and... and you know, she had. I think they had been together for over 21 years, and and she was everything to him. Wow. And when she died, he just couldn't get out of that level of stress and depression. Yeah, I that
1: the, the heart. Uh, yeah, the heart will go. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And you, people are capable of having that happen to them at almost any age. When you think about how some people take the death of somebody that significant to them, it can make their lives feel like they have no meaning. And, and you know, not to get too uh, melodramatic, but when I broke my hip in 2016 and I took OxyContin, it made me want to kill myself. And I know how that feeling is when you feel utterly pure despair and, and no hope at all.
1: Did that, it, you know, so it, well, the, so it wasn't no, it wasn't so much the pain. It was more the inactivity of what you could do or what for the future.
2: Oh, it's the OxyContin. The OxyContin
1: is evil, evil,
2: evil stuff. It, there's no way, in my opinion, that OxyContin should be legal.
1: So I mean, what did what did it? What is it? Made? Oh, it made me want to kill
2: myself. It 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 it, it, it gave messages to me every day saying the easiest way for you to get out of this is to kill yourself. And I swear to you, and I'll say this to every one of our listeners, I swear this, that if I had owned a gun in 2016, when I was when I had my hip broken and I was on OxyContin, I would have killed myself.
1: Wow. Wasn't there something you could I, I, have told the doctor to give you something different? Oh,
2: my God. Uh, I, I, the doctor's... Doctors in 2016 were handing out uh, OxyContin like it was aspirin. Yeah. they, they it's, And it's still the, the drug of choice from the hospital. And I fell and I broke my shoulder last year. I think you may remember. Yeah, I do. And they gave me OxyContin again in the hospital. I begged them not to give it to me. And I took it, took... Three pills, okay, took three pills, and I started feeling depressed again, and I didn 't touch it and I went through a broken shoulder with ibuprofen and ass and and, and 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 CBD. That is how I survived a broken shoulder. I will never take Oxycontin again it 's the no. worst drug in the entire universe
1: i wonder I wonder how uh, if it has the same effect on other people, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, you're not probably
2: kid. not because there'd be thousands of suicides yeah, all that's over true. the place or, you know, millions of suicides. But yeah. it, it was terrible, terrible for me. And I pain is not as bad. Physical pain is yeah. not as bad as psychological. Yeah. Depression. And yep. and being and and sinking to a particular low and having no hope and feeling total hopelessness and that's all that OxyContin did for me. You know, yeah, it took the weight of the pain, but brought in a, a whole new set of pain that was much harder to deal with than just yeah, the, cured, the the physical pain.
1: cure was worse than the disease, so to speak. Absolutely, yeah.
2: absolutely, and I, I I am a number one. I'm an advocator of getting rid of Oxycontin and having people use other drug alternatives than Oxycontin. I, you'll never find someone that believes in that
1: more yeah, than myself. About, gosh, 10 years ago, we had a friend's uh, uh, child who was uh, probably 20 years old. Uh, he died over an, over an OD of Oxycontin. Oh, yeah. I mean, so tragic. Losing a child. So tragic. Terrible. Anyway, let's uh, Something's got to be done. Let's try to move on to something more uh, uh, more lively. Um, so, sure. Years, okay, years ago, sports betting outside of Vegas was kind of demonized, and now it looks like it's going to become mainstream. You know, Oh my
2: God, yes.
1: Question. So, how? Are, what do you? How thoughts on how things would change in the sports world? You know, are you going to even get more? You know, mafia involved type of thing. You know, more scandals of point shaving and. I,
2: I feel really bad for anyone that has a gambling addiction. How you know it's 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 like it's like you know we're going back to drugs again, but it's like if you had a problem with heroin and suddenly heroin's on sale at Safeway.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, it's that's, it's that's a good analogy. Uh, yeah,
2: it's, it's it's right now I mean if you have a gambling thank God the the crazy things that I have going on in my life the one thing I don't have is a gambling addiction. In fact, the other day I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who is, you know, really into sports too. And he said, God, you know so much about sports. You should bet on it because he, he bets on sports. I said, the reason why I don't bet on sports is because I want to enjoy them. Exactly, And I think once you start gambling on sports, it goes away from being an enjoyable thing and more towards something you're looking for to make money off of.
1: And You're you know, 100% right, because uh, years ago, I would bet on the Super Bowl, and then I'd bet there were other kinds of weird bets that you could do on the Super Bowl. And suddenly, I wasn't enjoying the game as much, because I was more concentrated on, okay, you know, you gotta, you got to score this, these points. I don't care which team does it, because I've got the, got the over, over 65, you know, or whatever it is. And then suddenly, it was like, you know what, this isn't fun. And I want to have fun. I want to enjoy the game, and you know, yeah, sure. If I've got a horse in the race, like from the standpoint of a home team, fine. But other than that, I just want to see you know a good game. Like, you know, last year when you had uh, the you know the Chiefs and and the and the Bucks, um, I you know I I mean I cared, but I didn't care, right? Because you know it's not like our, it was our home team, but I just wanted to see a, a really good football game, you know. Um, in fact, that's funny because I actually had, I didn't have a gaming addiction, but I used to like to go up to, uh, Reno and, oh. and that sort of thing. And, uh, I was 25 years old, I'll never forget this. I figured out on craps, how you could actually have the odds in your favor for one roll of the dice, uh, the odds were in your favor, uh, six to one, but you'd only get paid, effectively four to one at the most uh, on your bet. So that's why in theory, you know, over a long period of time, the house would still win. Well, sure enough, one roll of dice. (laughs) And even though the odds were six to one in my favor, uh, I mean, I did it a couple of times and it worked. And then I did it one more time and I got smoked. And I lost $1,600 on one roll of dice. And that was back in 1985.
2: I'm Olympics. not a very good gambler. I, I, I get too nervous about the bet. I, I like playing cards with my friends. And that's something that was designed for gambling.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit. That's that definitely cards. Yeah, Before. cards is definitely a little bit sports different. Sports is... You know what, though? I. I uh, yeah, there's cards, there's dice.
2: There's the roulette wheel. There's there's things that were, you know, slot machines. Those things were meant for gambling. And in some yeah. ways, you know, I liked the old-fashioned way of having to go to Tahoe, having to go to Reno, having yeah. to go to a place that was set for gambling yeah. and playing there. Now, on my way up to Red Bluff, you know, you I, I passed by at least three different casinos. Yeah. You know, That's and easy. it it's... It, yeah. It's become very, I mean, I, I bet you my kids won't think twice about, you know, gambling as a, as a uh, uh, you know, as a social construct, because it's going to be so mainstream. To yeah, them. Now, I don't gamble. You know, I don't do a lot of gambling in front of them. So they may. True. Say, well, they, well, see it, it's no big deal. Is, yeah. and, and they may not care about it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a very interesting question. I tell but you if what, hey, you got where, that, if... tell you what. Hey, Russell, let's. I'm let's sorry. To our, this one, this segment went pretty fast. Let's go ahead and cut to our third trivia question here. Okay. If a Pittsburgh Steeler kicked a field goal with the ball hiked from the fifty-yard line and made it, how long was the actual field goal? Does that make sense? You know the question yes okay so that's our trivia question and i just picked the pittsburgh Steeler, but it doesn't matter but i can't see you uh if a field goal kicker uh with the ball hiked from the 50 yard line and made it how long by the way that would be a record oh how long was the actual field goal all right stay with yeah, us 14 would... we'll be right back with some closing comments
4: We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline
0: now. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. That's 800-957-6063. 855-325-1780. That's 855-325-1780.
1: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Russell Jackman. Our third trivia question, football, uh, the theme, if a Pittsburgh Steeler kicked a field goal with the ball hiked from the 50-yard line and made it, how long was the actual field goal?
2: Now, why did you pick a Steeler, by the way? (laughs) I
1: I don't know, just for fun.
2: Should have picked a niner, but anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I should have picked a niner. That would be a 67-yard field goal. That is correct. 50
1: plus 10 plus 7. Didn't someone kick a 73-yard field goal one time? No,
2: no. Um, I think the longest field goal – I mean, you've got the computer there. You could look it up, but I think the longest field goal is 63 yards.
1: Well, okay, Tom Dempsey was 63, but I think somebody – I think a Denver Bronco beat him.
2: Um, yeah, well, then it might be sixty-five. It might be, it might be, but it was maybe only maybe by a couple. It,
1: maybe it was like you know, like like a college player or something with the wind blowing behind them, or you know. Well, you've got the computer there. Look it up real fast. I have. Well, I don't have time right now because we have to continue on. With our don't show. have
2: time. Stop.
1: But are you ready? If you have
2: time for the dad jokes.
1: I, mean, I was going to say. Here we go. We cut out for our. Here's our thoughts for the day. So initially, I didn't believe that my chiropractor was any good. But but now I stand corrected. Oh. <laughs> oh I Vern, Vern would have loved
2: that one. That really is bad. Oh, my bad. God.
1: Okay. And uh, I'll be uh, doing a book signing today at Barnes & Noble from 2 p.m. until they kick me out for writing in random books. <laughs> you didn't laugh oh, at that, Russell. <laughs>
2: Yeah, them? no, no. Some of these make me want to just drive off the embank into an embankment when I hear these. They're so bad. I okay. want to just end the and, suffering. And, and by the way, uh, by driving into a wall.
1: Calories are used every hour you spend banging your head against a wall. That's an excellent way to uh, lose weight, but don't try it at home. All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Grant. We'll see you next week. Adios, America.